Hey, it's Brian. Welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors. I'm going to tell you about our sponsor real quick, Two Foot Parade Records. Um, They are an independent record label based in Kalamazoo, Michigan, um, whose mission is to invest in artists without requiring them to give any partial ownership of their work. Um, So, woke as shit. I dig it. Um, They have two new releases currently. um, Worry Club's Volume 1 mixtape and Nestle Lake's Low Light Cassette are both available for purchase on their website, um, twofootparade.com. They are currently accepting submissions from bands on their website, um, and all their social medias can be found at at twofootparade. So that's twofootparade.com and at twofootparade. Um, And Gabe, who runs it, is just really cool. Um, I've met him. Goes to shows, involved in the scene. You know, they're really cool. Um, The only time I met Gabe, we fucked around quite a bit with Pat Ray. So I don't know if you even remember Gabe, but we had a good time and I could tell that if I was to work with Two Foot Parade Records, there'd be a really good artist to label um, communication. So that's all I'm going to say for now. Um, Check them out and enjoy the episode. Yo, it's Brian. Welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors. Not just any episode, episode 100. And that isn't just a fancy number. It's a fancy ass episode because we have Ben Leach from You, Me and Everyone We Know who was one of my adolescent heroes from a songwriting perspective. I loved You, Me, and Everyone We Know, especially when I was in college. My roommate, Caldwell, and I... What's up, Caldwell? Um, we used to listen to them all the time and like break down the lyrics, and Caldwell would break down like the musical theory aspects of it. I don't give a shit about that stuff, but I can you know appreciate it. They're one of the best pop-punk pop bands ever, in my opinion, um, and I will fight you if you disagree. I think they're up there with Fallout Boy, his early stuff in terms of just songwriting ability, lyrical prowess. And I was really intimidated to do this episode. Um, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't, uh, you know, you, you listen to someone for a long time, especially someone who uh, is as provocative or like confident or upfront or just like aggressive with their lyrics as you mean everyone we know. It's, you kind of develop an idea of what you think they are. You develop this personality for them, even though you don't really know them, but you just base it on their music. And so I've definitely done that with him because I've listened to it so much. Um, so I really didn't know what quite to expect, and I was just a little bit nervous, but Ben couldn't have been cooler, man. Um, he was super nice, opened up about a lot of stuff, got vulnerable with us, and was just... You can tell he's a really smart dude, which uh, I think comes through in the lyrics. And I'm not going to kiss your ass too much, Ben, but yeah, um, I really appreciate him coming on and giving us such a great episode. And I, we had to cut it short because I feel like Ben would have just kept going and going. And I was down too, but Benny had to go to sleep. <laughs> so he had to cut it off. And I definitely think that Ben would uh, be down to come back on the show um, just based on how this episode went. So if this is your first time listening to the podcast, thanks for being here. Um, you know, follow us on social media and Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff. And you heard the commercial at the beginning. If you're interested in being a sponsor, we offer really cheap rates for us to read copy, just like we did in the beginning for two foot parade. Um, I'm talking like 10 bucks, 15 bucks an episode type rates, like super, super reasonable. Um, so anyways, let me know if you're interested in that. Hit me up, invite the neighbors at gmail.com. And uh, we can work something out. Um, we give discounts for, you know, 
extended or you know if you get like a month it'll be a little bit cheaper than just one episode you get the idea um anyways thank you for listening and just a quick note the audio is a little bit subpar on this episode in case this is your first time listening um i was at my girlfriend's recording with headphones on discord normally i'm at home and i have a microphone set up and it sounds better so this is your first time listening i don't want you to think that like every episode is going to be uh shitty quality so we're working on getting it to where it's always high quality um even though discord is shitty and pandemic i've been lazy blah 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 anyways here is the episode craig the bear yeah yeah, yeah. craig the bear <laughs> yeah oh, well, i i didn't get a link though so fuck it we'll just do it the old-fashioned way all right now benny oh look at you already on video wow yeah because i'm a professional repping all right. aldi <laughs> yeah Are you an employee or Dude, I, basically, I basically live in this uh in this sweatshirt because of the fact that i'm there six days a week Ooh, just okay. as a customer though he's uh, they're like the best customer <laughs> of all time yeah they <laughs> gave this to me for being a good customer <laughs> <laughs> okay it's not a bad deal this is not the first question I thought I would ask, but do you, as an employee of Aldi, do you like, do, does Aldi have regulars? Like, are there people that you see there, like, on a daily basis? Oh, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of regulars. My favorite, though, is when I'm working curbside, which is they'll call in the orders on Instacart and I'll take them out the side door and they'll pull up in their car. People usually give me tips, but I have this one regular, does it every day. And just gives me a card trying to get me to research being a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> That's cool. And she, and That's she's like, I know it's not money. I know. I'm sorry. But I feel like this can be a little bit more fulfilling. And I was like, okay. That's such a weird setup. Like, there's, it's kind of, it's kind of a very American sect of Christianity. It's like the idea that's like, there's only, why they're recruiting, but there's only so many seats on the existential rocket ship. <laughs> I mean, it's like, there's only like, like he, their heaven has like a 10,000 cap. Yeah. Or something like that. But they're yeah. always like, how don't they have 10,000 yet? They're like Jehovah. the most dedicated band in the world. Well, yeah. Jehovah's, they do their all, they Jehovah's all do their Witnesses are the, Jehovah's Witnesses are the most like heaven's gate ask religion. I have the sect of Christianity that I've come into contact with, unfortunately. Yeah, they're they're interesting. They're well meaning, you know, as yeah. as they all as they all are for the most part. <laughs> until they're not. They all are until they're yeah, not. Until they're not, yeah. Which which is usually people that like recognize it as something that they can use to recruit for their own nefarious deeds until well, yeah, they piggyback the, on religion. You know, that's the thing about the thing that you know, in mo- most religions, they talk about protecting the weak and the vulnerable. But who is the most likely to 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 target those people? And those are predators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've used the tool of <laughs> they've used the tool that is for the vulnerable and the weak to target the vulnerable and, and the weak. Yeah, very yeah. true. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that we're off to this type of start too. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I appreciate you doing this, by the way. Of course, of course. I'm just hanging, man. I haven't, uh, 
I don't have a ton going on right now. I've been dealing with some like health issues that I'm getting sorted out. Um, yeah. Like it left me like sort of unable to work for the last, well, like aside from the pandemic. Um, yeah. Right. Myself. Uh, but yeah, just kind of hanging. Yeah. Hoping my business survives. You know, I, I own a gym here in Lancaster and you know, it's a, okay. Yeah. So it's, it's one of the, and I'm also a believer in uh, the idea like we've, it's a it's a scientific pursuit. So like the whole job is based in science. So you need to trust that. You so mean like the, the, the like, gym thing? Yeah, so it's like if if scientists are like it's a bad idea to go to the gym. Oh, I like, see what you're saying. Me as a as a fellow citizen just has to like take that on the nose. Like if I'm going to stick to my principles like of the the business I run, you know what I mean? Like the most abstract. Right. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't do anything about this. It's not safe to come into my place, you know? Like <laughs> You couldn't be like, trust the science behind working out, but don't trust the science behind people telling you it's not safe to just be in public. Type exactly. Thing. Yeah. And then you'd be a religion. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, and I get, like, I get it. Like some gym owners are deeply in debt. You know, it's, they like, we own, like I own a small space that does mostly personal training. Um, yeah. So I don't have the overhead costs that those like big sort of like 40 treadmill gyms do. But yes, yeah, like you got like, you know, what side of the line are you standing on? <laughs> like, right. You got to go with the, you got to go with the science. It, it would be like if sneezing was really popular and there were sneezing lounges everywhere and then a <laughs> pandemic hit. Like, like you couldn't in good conscience be like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Come to the sneezing lounge. Like we, you know, like (laughs) that's funny because like that makes me think. um, There are literally like rooms at hospitals now that are like dedicated crying rooms for like employees. I mean, I mean that's different, obviously. Yeah, but that just made me think of like rooms that are dedicated to like releasing bodily fluids i guess they have that but too that room has always been at the hospital but they just put a plaque on the door now (laughs) yeah right right (laughs) yeah i mean that that used to be like the supply closet now it's just official yeah you know yeah it's (laughs) i I was i was telling someone i've said it a few times just in passing conversation but you know every Every country before it sort of has progressed has had to deal with a a deep humbling, if that makes sense. You know, like mm-hmm. Britain was one of the you know the, the saying used to be like the sun never goes the sun never sets on the British Empire. Does that mean like they owned shit everywhere, like around the whole globe at all times? The sun was shining on a British flag. All oh, right. You know, and then like World War One and two happened. And that like decimates the country, you know, in a sense, you know, and like then, you know, at our at their lowest point, they're like, all right, now we got to start taking care of each other. So they, you know, they form the NHS like there's all sort of the social. The social undergirding that that found a lot of their stuff um, was brought about because of that, you know, Finland has the number one education system in the world, but that didn't happen until in the 70s a big survey came out and they were like one of the, like their education system was like one of the worst in the country or the worst in the world. Or yeah. Something. And yeah. so they're like, we're like, holy shit. 
Like we're just raising a bunch of dum dums. Right. You they know, to- dum dums had the self aware to be like, we gotta stop and change direction. And now yeah. they have one of the best education systems in the world. See, I was always that always makes me think like not to be cynical or anything like that, but Finland deciding to change their education system. I mean, you could maybe I've heard the argument made that that would be similar to like, I don't know, the the state of Ohio changing like due to like the size of the population type thing. And we're like, people are constantly saying like America has like, we're constantly falling behind and I, you know, we are, but then they'll they'll compare us, not that you were doing this, but they'll compare us to like these smaller countries. Like, well, look at Sweden, Sweden's doing it or healthcare is another one where it's like, that's like one state compared to like trying to ch- change the tie in the United States. Absolutely. But we are the, we are also the country that believes in multinational companies and giant yeah. corporations. So if we believe in those, like everything scales right. up, and scales down, you know what I mean? Like even in mm-hmm. a small country, there are counties in different regions, you know what I mean? With different attitudes. Yeah. It's all about social contracts at the end of the day. You know, it's like, you know it's it's a challenge yes but we've i I mean we are like desperately young as a country like 200 years oh for sure change is not much you know like Like exactly especially compared to all of these like empires that existed throughout the world and even though like the names may have changed a lot of those systems of government like parliamentary systems of government like all of that has been around for like centuries upon centuries upon centuries oh yeah like the dutch were a well like scandinavian and dutch countries were like well established like they had already retreated as an as like as sort of like empire like nations um in the same way the british like the british eventually did um you know spain was used to be everywhere you know and they contracted yeah. back to what is a sustainable size um you know so yeah it's it's all manageable it's just a matter of it's just a matter of like having the will to do it and like understanding that it's going to take time you know like right it's time not that best. like we might not even be around to see the end of it you know well, but trusting the process that you're getting it in motion type thing yeah, I mean that's one of the oldest stories in the like quite that that is the oldest story in the book. Like that's the whole deal with Moses. Like he, he didn't get, you know, he didn't get <laughs> to see his promised land. He did that shit knowing, you know, that's the you point. You don't get to enjoy the fruits of your legacy. You just know that yeah. you kind of set it in motion. That's the point in the in that story. That's why God tells him like, "Nah. Like you're not going to see this shit." It's like he knows he's not going to see it and he can continue completes his task and he like the process is the point right like he, yeah he kind of you know he, he gets there but yeah you know it's a it, it takes a it takes a long time to sort of change the direction of things and to sort of move from a you know f- we're sort of in a transitional point where like we're through all of our through much of our times since we moved away from sort of like hunter gathering into like times of agriculture, we became sort of less resourceful as a, as a civil, as a people in a civilization. And so things we had, we had to adopt more of a mindset of scarcity because we were sort of more 
our existence is more fragile, sort of subject to farming and crop, you know, shit like that, rather than like previous to that, you could just look at the woods and be like, that fixes a headache. That'll get you high. That's really good uh, yeah. for this. Like, yeah. You know, like, they like evolution like evolutionary biologists say our brains were never larger and more versatile than the ones were that like in that population. Um, but yeah, it's like so now like we sort of are you know in the hero's journey. We're like we're in this tra- this transitional process of like returning home to a plate like a realization of abundance. It's like no, we can take care of each other. You know, okay. we're good. Like, um, but that's rocky. You know, it's sort of like we're in the, it gets worse part of getting better. Yeah. You know, and, and due to, due to myriad of factors, we're stuck there at the moment, you know, maybe it's part of the process, but you know, feeling stuck is part of the, feeling stuck and frustrated is part of the process. I heard a quote from, uh, Edward Norton was on the armchair expert podcast. And, uh, I think he said it was like the sensation of disaster is, is intrinsic to all great things. Like, yeah. And I thought that I wrote it down. Like that's how I was like, Oh my God, that's so great. Maybe because so many things feel like a disaster, especially when you're starting out trying to do something, you're constantly second guessing it. But like, if you're not, if you're not feeling that way, then the likelihood is you're not, you're not like taking a big enough leap towards what it is that you want. I don't know that it's, that this is the way it's meant to be interpreted, but there's a line in a killer's song on Sam's town. I think it's, it's either the river is what? No, it's a uh, like diamond eyes or, but the line is like, how do you know that you're right? If you're not nervous anymore. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. You know what I mean? Like if you, like anytime you have an opinion, your first, your like your first question once that opinion is formed is like, am I wrong? Right. It's very vulnerable you know I mean? to take a stand <laughs> like, on something. Like, <laughs> like, it's like, okay, I had that thought, and like, I have felt strongly about it. Like, how could I be wrong about this? Like, how could I be looking at this wrong? You know what I mean? Because that's yeah. often where we get like fucked up in life. We're like, you get an opinion, I'm just gonna go with it, and I'm only gonna pay attention to stuff that's, you know, that's serving me. Yeah, the confirmation yeah. bias. There's some vague middle ground there are cases where there's not you know which is where change gets rocky it's like all right we have to leave that old that old thought process behind as like a civilization and culture yeah it's a lot harder to turn a big ship um but yeah like this is it sucks and it hurts and it's painful but it's all part of the process this too this too you know yeah i also really liked like a point that was raised earlier which was like a lot of the development of human societies is drawn by or like civilization or just like big countries in general is driven by feeling humbled or needing to be humbled because, and I can't take credit for this quote myself. It's from like Brian referenced the podcast. I'm also going to reference a podcast called the Chapo Trap House in one of the episodes, one of the hosts said that human civilization and human like societal growth is determined by one or one of two things, either that society went through a devastating event that humbled it or at the very last second, someone invented something that ended up saving everyone's asses. Well, that's all it, you know, you know what I mean? It's like what that's all it ever is. That's, you know, like, 
it's always close. You know, life is deeply, it's deeply paradoxical. Yeah. Um, yeah. The whole, you know, evolution doesn't happen because we like desire something, you know, or we like, that would be nice. Like if everyone, you know, like everyone was like, uh, you know, maybe we met, we all made our own vitamin D. So we felt better all the time or we had control right. of our like internal yeah. brain chemistry levels. That'd be advantageous. This would be nice. No, it's like something happens and you need to change. Yeah. We don't like, we're not the whole idea of like the whole idea of this, like individualistic, like I'm just going to decide and shit's going to, you know, you're Mm -hmm. just like, you're just a moment away from like greatness. Like this idea that you're like just less than it's like, it's, it's so painfully bogus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I would say that. Like, I almost think that, like, if, in terms of if you look at evolution on a grand scale, I mean, if you want to tie it into like philosophical arguments, like, I don't even know that it, it is a choice. I don't know that free will is a choice, even. You know, like, I, I think there's arguments to be made that none of what we do is actually a choice, and free will is an illusion. And if that were the case, then evolution would be something that was already kind of always going to happen the way it happened. Yeah. So this is where things get transrational. So just real quick. So with, so then th- this is, man, I- I'm, I'm just having a realization. So what you're, so that, uh, even that idea when people are like, you know, free will is like not determined or like free, mm-hmm. or like free will doesn't exist. Life is sort of determined. Right. right. The nature of like things lawfully unfolding, so on and so forth. Yeah. You know, once you get so many degrees of separation, it's like, well, yeah, like one turned to two and so on and so forth. Now we're here. This has all been une- inevitable. Um, like that reinforces the idea that the point is just to be present for it. Right. Like that yeah. reinforces a lot of like what like Buddha and Jesus and a lot of the older Eastern religions taught um, like Hinduism. Like, yeah, the point, you know, yeah, there's struggle, but the point is to be here for it. So like, like the, even if there is, here. yeah, even if there is no free will, the point is still to be here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, you know, and to be present with it, which involves like interacting with it. Um, yeah. yeah like we're sorry, on the roller are... coaster, but like you can't, you can't stop it. You can't change the direction of it, but you can be there and you can choose whether or not you enjoy it or you're terrified or. You know, you're looking forward to, to for it to be over, or you really wish it would start back over again. You know what I mean? Like you can change like yeah. your mindset. You yeah. Change, you can change your perception of it, but you can't do anything really. I'm not saying that that is concretely like that is the answer, like oh, yeah. that is the nature of things. But like along the, those arguments, like even the most like feudalistic arguments, where it's like, okay, it's, it's all predetermined. There's nothing we can do. You can still change your mindset, or you can at least perceive to change your mindset. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and that's but that's the other bit, like intentional change is difficult you know anytime yeah. you know like you know they talk about you know as a sober person I've, I've only been to one AA meeting but i'm familiar enough to know that you know the 12 steps involve um it's essentially spiritual transformation or like you know like what one would refer to as like self like the capital s or capital yeah. i transformation yeah you know um and there, and and that's a challenge, but it's a challenge in that context. Like as a as a person, like in recovery or a sober person, but that's hard in life in general. You know, it's not like that's that's what like yeah. 
but oh the, the the thing we were talking about was the idea that like this like like and it's it's awful um but like it it may be a thing that 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 may lead to a long term like we're already reflecting as a society now this is why like like you know there was a lot of tinder on the ground before George Floyd's murder mm-hmm. acted as the match that struck it. You know, like there's a, like, there's a reason, like everybody was at home. Like, we're like, are we really going to just continue, you know, just be, you know, just be yeah. okay with this shit. Like, like the, like the thought, fo- like there's this, uh, this guy, Richard Rohr talks about um, like the, the cycle of existence is like order and then disorder followed by a return to order. Like it's always the process, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, that's the, what's uh, Joseph Campbell when he talks in, when he talks about the hero's journey, you know, it's like you lead, like you, you start in this safe place and you, you know, you depart and you go into this scary thing only to return home again. Yeah. Um, in the, in the way. And that's like, that's the process. The of, pattern. Yeah, it's it's in, it's in everything. Um, so yeah, it's it's necessary, and we'll see what you know. We've we've done some reflecting now. It's just like the complication is following through because we live in such an attention culture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like how do we, you know, how do we do? How do we uh, make sure that it just doesn't fall like fall into into another cycle? Um, the irony of the attention culture thing is here are three people who are the fronts of their own bands and they're like thrusting themselves into oh, i didn't like, thrust myself out here <laughs> oh no not not on the podcast but like <laughs> oh no 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 i meant like in the band like even though even the i'm a weird singer like it like we'll find out like, about that yeah in like the content in like outside of just like who i am as a human <laughs> like right. i didn't i didn't set out um like I sang for a band or two when I was like in high school or whatever, but I never had any like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like that was never uh, like a, the, you know, I never what did had you want to do like, like what did you want to do when you were growing up? So like when I was, uh, when I was nine, I was kidnapped and tortured, uh, for a year by my really? father and stepmother. Yeah. So wow, I like man. didn't have like, I like, I don't have dreams or aspirations. Like my brain just never learned to, like it like i essentially just the idea like i was annihilated psychologically so like i never learned to like have like hopes or dreams um so it's like a thing i have to like have intention about now you know and be like yeah so like then i just at the time i was just like i'm you know i'm just you know here today or whatever like it's like like, i'm just surviving you know that's sort of like where my where my brain was um so these guys like asked me to play guitar for their band and i was like yeah you know i play guitar and brought them some songs and then eventually uh they were like we're gonna start we're starting over and you're the singer and i was like no 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 thank you um and i was like okay like fine like because like shit kind of like went down and everything first happened like uh they ended up making me kick their singer out of the band that i had joined just a few months before um it was so awkward like i was like the new guy in the band and they like i was like okay like if we're gonna do this like like you know because i'd like moved out of my place and yeah 
I was essentially like sleeping in a stranger's basement. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm pot invested to use a poker term. Um, yeah. like I'm, I'm all in. Uh, so I, I went with it and uh, like, we just kept dr- like different members kept getting dropped off. And I was like, wait a fucking second. Like, I was like <laughs> I'm not letting everybody, but like me and one other person get out of this like terribly awkward conversation. So like, while they were still, <laughs> while, while the two like, eldest members of the band that had like started it with the guy were still in the band. And I was like, we got to talk like, fuck, I don't want to like be like just <laughs> yeah. me. And like, cause obviously the other last person in the van also didn't want to say anything the longest, <laughs> like, you know? So that's like the, like the last person in the van is the literal last person you want in the van. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, like I would say the first person to cut and run and then the last person to the last person in the van would be the last two people just in general. Right. Yeah. And so like, I was like, fine, I'll sing for the band, but like just for a couple months, we find a singer. Um, and like, you know, Noel, our, our, our original like second guitarist would tell you, like, I was like, Hey man, like, can you sing? Are you ready to like, would you be down to sing for the band? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like we were getting ready to record. Like, it was like way too late for <laughs> was that. Was this was this you mean everyone we know? Or yeah, was this like just, oh, yeah. okay? This was I was twenty one, maybe twenty. So this was like party for the grown and sexy type stuff. Like was it that yeah, era? So, okay. Yeah, I started writing. I started writing Yumi songs when I was eighteen, and sort of just like I spend a long time with songs, um, yeah. which mm-hmm. is like. Which is why I think I generally put out, I put up music that I'm, at, by the time I'm done with it, I'm like, I, this is the best I can do. This is the yeah, best yeah. I can possibly do. You like, <laughs> I've, I've thought about this so much. It doesn't matter if you don't like the genre, if you like at the very mm-hmm. least, you'll respect it and say it's well executed. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, like just, that's, just put your all into it. Leave it all out it. there. Be yeah. glad it's done. Yeah. yeah. So we got it done. Or like, uh, so like I, we got to the place where like, um, we were like, I brought like some of the, you some of the stuff that became you music, most of the first EP, um, or I think half of it. And, uh, and yeah, we just like, ha- we had those songs for like, we were trying to have like that dude sing them it just wasn't working out. And then, then everybody was I mean, like, did you doing not- this. Did you really like not hear your voice or something and think that? Well, well no, like on the, the first, I just never, again, like, you know, I had like, I'd been in a barbershop choir when I was like 13 and 14. Like I had like, okay. like done some like choir stuff, but I, I didn't, it was this thing I was, you know, sort of like, even with the, the, the sort of like middle school. Yeah. Like that was, the the barbershop choir i was actually like forced to go to that too interestingly yeah. enough i was kind of like the universe kind of like shoved my ass into music like repeatedly yeah. like even in the context of the band like i've tried to quit several times <laughs> <laughs> and just one like not to it's not so to ironic because you're the one like the, the most universe, associated but, with it yeah yeah <laughs> like i the last time i i tried to quit and the <laughs> And the heavens brought a fucking pandemic to ruin my other business. <laughs> like, <laughs> put on the goddamn guitar. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but, like, 
but yeah, so it's is I guess very like I just never thought of myself as much of a singer. Additionally, like I didn't really develop what I would consider what I would consider like a voice that's like very good until or voice that I know what I'm doing with until like our second EP. Mm. And that was even yeah. for the most part, like when I like went, like went into a higher register for the first time. And that was because yeah. like the re- the rest of the, like I went, I went out for like a couple hours or something. I can't remember what happened. Maybe I went to the grocery store we were writing and I came back and they wrote like a key change into the, into one of the songs. And I was like, fuck, I got to figure out how to like sing up there. <laughs> yeah. And that's how like, I was like, Oh, I can do that. It's like, oh, neat. Yeah. Okay. So it just like expanded over time. Um, but yeah, so like it wasn't until like a couple of years in, I was like, okay, like I, I can sort of see what's going on. I can see, you know, like the, the relative success of the first EP like completely surprised me. Right. Yeah. So what, what was like the, like, what was your guys' local presence like as a band and like what kind of propelled you to like playing Warp Tour and things like that? Z- like, we didn't have zero we had zero local presence um like i said like we literally burned a ton of bridges breaking up the locally breaking up the band that that we were all in (laughs) so it was like okay they tried to blacklist you guys nobody yeah basically we were like uh i guess we'll go on tour immediately so we like i just started staying up all night with like uh with ryan and like just messaging you know, like on back in the day, like before, like social media was figured out to be the giant it was. Like, yeah, like MySpace was honestly like a like the like the Wild West. You know, you could just like message somebody and be like, "Hey, would you listen to my band?" And they'd be like, "Oh my god, I would love to. I really like track <laughs> three and track nine. So it's like you listen to ten. They're like whatever the you know people yeah, just yeah, yeah. it. You know, like." And it wasn't until a, like until like 2008, maybe like late 2007. By the time that like every fucking band was, it was just everybody just messaging strangers yeah, yeah. and shit. Um, yeah. And so it got to be too much, and they like clamped down on that. Once once businesses or like people that were like trying to do stuff in life, we were like, all right, how do I use this? Um, but yeah, like you could message promoters and venues and be like, hey, you know, back then, like, and we, like, we got those tours entirely on, like, just the quality of our music. Like, we, I was like, this is all we got. So, like, if we're going to send people right, stuff, right. like, we got to, like, I, I, I got to make sure it's good. So, yeah, yeah it was absolutely. like, so we had the, the very good fortune of, of, like, existing in that space to start out. Um, yeah, back back when like those channels of communication were like so much clearer, but it was still a novel enough thing where like people wouldn't be offended to just get a message from a band that they've never heard of. Yeah, and that was like, hey, listen to our stuff. Yeah, they'd be like, okay, because here's my theory. Well, there's two. One, it used to be a community. And then after, after once Fall Out Boy started succeeding, you know, it started with it started a little bit with Taking Back Sunday and sort of brand new. And those, it's like yeah, bigger money very gently started be making being made. And then Fall Out yeah. Boy and My Chemical Romance come out, and it's just capitalism for a couple of years, just hard. <laughs> How can we make some fucking major label money on this shit? 
street, you know, yeah, and yeah. that's the space I tried to exist in for five years. Like until, until I had to quit drinking and stop, like stop what I was doing because it was driving me insane. And now I would say within the last like three years, like the capitalism has, has started to leach its way back into the, back into the swamp, so to speak. And yeah, like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're seeing a community occur again. Um, which I couldn't be more thankful for, you know, it's like, is this, is it okay to, to have 15 or 20 extra pounds on my body now? Is that okay? Like, is right. that gonna be all right? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. how's the music? Oh my God. Like <laughs> people used to tell me all the time, like you started, you started three years too late or five years too early. <laughs> See, I, I think it's even kind of funny to the, to mention how it's become a community again. And I, I mean, this is the only time period in which I've planned to release any music because like I'm sitting on a record, like my first record. So like, I, I don't know what it's been like, but I think in this era right now, it feels like in a lot of ways, music is almost secondary to the communal aspect of it. Like there's so many people that just like love each other's, as people and so they support their music and like a lot of the music is like i mean there's some really good bands don't get me wrong but there's a lot of just bands that are just like kind of all doing the same thing but they're in love with this idea of a community and i can't hate on it yeah but it, it seems to be about that more than it is about music even in a lot of in, in a lot of ways well that's where it comes from like like that's where you know when you can lean on each other like be, if you're like the possibility of like like the big pro, like the other big problem is that everyone like when all that money came in everybody decided they wanted to go pro everybody was like i'm a professional now i got road cases and i got a trailer and i play at actual <laughs> venues and i don't play fucking yeah. fire halls fuck you i want a sound system <laughs> with a mic check and a sound guy you know and that and and like you know demo quality releases went out the window you couldn't self record shit anymore or like have some like pay a buddy 200 bucks to record an EP or some shit like that. You used to be able yeah. to tour on that stuff, you know, and then suddenly everybody's got, you know, because because of the democratization of recording software, you know, everybody had ac- way more access. So like all of a sudden the necessary quality of your recording went up, but the cost of that recording hadn't gone down yet. Yeah, of that sound hadn't gone down yet. So like everybody went pro and essentially like all the aspects that maintained a community in sort of like genre music started to go away. Like all those like into like those like sketchy venues at like like hall shows and church shows and places where people did the polka and did like bake sales just generally. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um like all that stuff has gone away. It doesn't, it, you know, it bear, it doesn't exist a ton anymore. So that community has had to shift online. The community shifted online, um, just due to the novel nature of social media. Um, yeah. Now, and, and it's those spaces cool. don't exist brick and mortar anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, that you like the idea of like self recording and things like that. It, it went away during the time in which like you guys were active and back to this whole idea of like things existing in a circle, like that's coming back around now. Like 
bands yeah. like from our scene, like Dogleg is an example of a band that's now signed to Triple Crown Records, who their first EP they recorded in their garage and they were touring on it. And and now it's coming back around, which I think is great. I'm always gonna be the type of person that wants hi fi and wants that for myself, but like I think it's great that, you know, more people are getting into music because they, they recognize like that just because DIY sort of like maybe fell out of popularity, like it doesn't mean that that technology stopped existing. And people yeah. figured that out and they started to realize like they could do it. And it's it's a, it's more of like um it, it you know, it lowers the barrier for entry when exactly. it seems like anyone anyone can do it. Yeah. And that that's fine. Yes. Anyone can do it, you know? And that's great. Yes. It, there shouldn't be prohibitive factors. I'm curious if exactly. since you kind of like thrust like were not thrust yourself, but you kind of almost accidentally fell into this role. But then you, backwards, you man. Started to ex- yeah, so but you started to experience success fairly um fairly early on from that first EP and success in terms of like your touring, your own work for like did you ever feel like maybe not like you didn't belong, but did you ever have like problems feeling like you belonged there with those other bands that had maybe like been at it longer or like had these quote unquote names? Like did you ever feel like strange being around in that environment or did you kind of like adapt to it pretty quickly? Uh, well, there there were a couple aspects of it that were weird. One, like because it was never, it was never something I aimed to do. Um, like I, I wasn't like I went to shows, but I wasn't like a fucking check me out. I'm a huge part of the community. Like yeah, ever, like if people knew my name, it's because I'm I was a weird guy or a fucking partier. Like it like <laughs> like it wasn't. It was, you know, it was just like I was the weird kid in high school that everybody got along with at an arm's distance. <laughs> like, yeah. Um. So. So yeah, it was odd to see, you know, just to, you know, be like a, like there's just a lot of shit I didn't get, like just a lot of like weird, weird like the idea of needing to be a good hang like for people um, or like the, a lot of the misogyny of, of, uh, of music at the time, you know, like, yeah, you could, you know, like I remember the first show when there were like people dressed up for the show. Um, uh, okay. And I was just like, what? where like where are we like what like it was just a strange it was just very strange experiences you mean like people in the bands dressed up or like people like no like like like, all dressed up for it there were girls dressed up like just sort of like the weird the weird success shit that start like that i'd see other bands like just bigger bands uh, occasionally um or like the other weird thing if i have no concept of the bands like uh like relative size or success in general mm-hmm. um but like if people would you know we used to get stopped a lot behind the scenes um by like people on much bigger stages and uh and that was always you know that was an odd thing um just kind of like just i never i'm always surprised when somebody's heard of the band if that makes sense like it's, yeah it's, no, it's I odd. Get it. um yeah 
but yeah, you know, just I would say, you know, I was I was I was performing in a genre at a time when the attitude like early emo music was just sort of like I'm hurt. Yeah. You know, and then the era I existed in turned into this like no more Mr. Nice Guy. Like to like type shit yeah. for a little while, um, and and uh, so I'm existing in this place, but writing these songs that sound vaguely similar, but are not celebrations of the shit that's happening. <laughs> like there's a no, lot. No, definitely there's like the sarcasm. Yeah, yeah but there's also a, there was there's a lot of that on a, that I could tell from some things don't wash out, but there's a lot of that kind of like meditation on how the scene had fallen into that state kind of yeah like even from the very first song it's like oh there's a lot of well well placed vitriol that honestly deserves to be there on this (laughs) yeah i mean yeah you know like with shock and awe I'm, i'm sorry brian you had a point you were saying something Oh, yeah. Just like real quick, like when I was first like listening to your band, like it was me and my my roommate, Nick, when we were freshmen in college. And it was, you know, probably my senior year in high school is when I I saw you at Warped Tour in Detroit, which was sweet. (laughs) And um, but then it just felt like the, the, the voice of those first two EPs, like especially the first one was like this. It. And I identify with it a lot. It was like this, like a sarcastic sort of outcast, but like singing with this sort of like faux arrogance almost like, you know, like recognizing things and like singing about like the in crowd, like from a, from an outsider's perspective, like almost like fantasizing about being a part of it. But when you don't actually belong to it, like you can analyze it and understand it like the, like, you know, like songs like Happy Birthday talking about like girls and things like that of that era. I identify with that a ton because it just, I was not getting, I was not in on the action with chicks in college. <laughs> so it was like this internalized misogynistic point of view, like, well, I can't get with them. So I'm going to criticize them type thing. And I'm not saying that that's what you were doing, but I, I, I found some of that like in the early lyrical stuff. And, you know, you're in your early 20s too. So that kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, but it's just interesting to hear you kind of explain that because that that just kind of goes back to my interpretation of it at the time. So it's really cool to hear like what was actually going on in your head. Yeah, I, I love hearing other people's like other people's interpretations of things because it often paints for me an insight into my because like what I'm writing is so just deeply personal, uncomfortably yeah. at times for me. Um, is that is that when somebody explains their interpretation of something, it mm-hmm. paints a little light on what I was talking about, on what was going on that with me that I may not have been aware of. You see right, right. So when you say yeah. like, you're talking about this, like this idea of, or like things I couldn't articulate until recently at the very least. So you, you're talking about this idea of feeling, uh, feeling other than, or feeling mm-hmm. feeling other, so to speak, and sort of like being able to navigate, na- like navigate navigate among different peoples um, yeah. or groups, uh, but never really never really existing in any one of those spaces. 
when I was younger, um, I don't know if I've, I don't know if I've said this on record before. I used to tell, I, I used to, there, there are lies I've told for a, a section of my life. Um, and I told them to give people the impression that I would not be bullied. Ah, okay. like that I would stand okay. up for myself if, if things came to, and that's all like, that's all related to like my trauma, essentially. Like that I wouldn't yeah. be mm-hmm. essentially like that. I wouldn't be abused or I wouldn't let anybody take advantage of me. Um, and it's this idea of like, when you talk, when you say like almost like faux, faux arrogance or faux, you know, there's just like a falseness to it. Like you can, yeah, you can like, there's a visual in my head that I can't quite, quite describe, but yeah, it's this like, you know, it's much more defeated. If anything, the, the music is the protector of the fragility and the lyric in, in all the lyricism, you know, like the, yeah, the sound that, is big and like, rah, like I'm a loud bear, but I'm a tiny yeah. baby cub with the lyric. Like, <laughs> That's what I'm Craig so sounds sad. like. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It's- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think that there's, that's something to be honestly celebrated and pushed is the idea that you can do that with music. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not to the extent, like obviously anything can be like over amplified to where it's like too disingenuous. But I think like, I think of myself as, you know, someone who can definitely identify with a little bit of like the otherness, you know, like yeah, bouncing around from group to group. And I think like, you know put creating a persona is a way for me to feel like i'm bigger than that you know what i mean creating like a musical persona is a way for me to feel like it doesn't like belong hurt. somewhere at least <laughs> it yeah. doesn't hurt yeah <laughs> look at this we're just we're just talking about our feelings we're <laughs> we're just talking about our feelings <laughs> <All now. right. laughs> this is how i've always wanted the podcast to go it's just random bullshit and then we talk about our feelings <laughs> But at, yeah, at, you know, absolutely. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's it was a weird place to exist, you know, even as a, even as a as a as a white dude at the time, like it was a weird place, it was a weird spot to exist. You know, can be. Um, but yeah, you're no longer so, a white dude. <laughs> what's that? I said you're no longer a white dude though. Oh, I just mean like so at that time, like now I'm super. <laughs> I, I'm I know I'm about myself. I now. Yeah. No, I'm still a white dude. Yeah. <laughs> I had to think about it. I wish people yeah. could see this because I'm not releasing the video of it. Here. <laughs> before, before we move on from those earlier EPs, and uh, real quick, I just I, I put out questions for listeners. Oh, be sweet. Interested. And I had this question too. And one of them was like, I, I was a huge Say Anything fan. So. Yeah, that was like, you know, is a real boy was it's still one of the most like formative albums I've ever heard. Still love it. Um, And a lot of people, you know, were curious, like, what was it like working with with Bemis? Like, I know I can get back up. He has that um, in the bridge. And I was wondering because I knew that there was a demo version where you sang it. And I had heard that first. I was a super fan back in the day. There was a demo of that? (laughs) There was a version of it where you was leaking left and right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I when I heard the Bemis version, I was like, "Wait, Bemis did this? I didn't." (laughs) Yeah. So 
but <laughs> I wanted to know, like, how did that come about? What was it like working with Max? Did he just like do your part in his own way? Did you guys like talk, like figure out like the feel for it or just like, what was that like? I guess. Well, I mean, I think I might've figured out how the demo leaked. <laughs> now that we just talked about it. I like how like, this is yeah, news to you. He did also, say Brian. That. I love how mine and Brian's first experiences with Yumi and everyone we know was through leaked versions of releases. Yeah. yeah like we were before I answer your question, we were the number one band on a website specifically titled It Leaked for like two years. <laughs> We were the number one most downloaded album. I was excited, but I could have used those 50,000 copies. <laughs> right. Right. You know, right. I gave away 100,000 copies of the first two EPs, which is how Max ended up finding out about the record, about the first, about the band in general. But just to, yeah. you know, just to say, like, say anything was the first band um, where I heard music that sounded like what I'd been writing. Because like I had taken okay. these songs to other people that I'd like played with or like in the in the community. Um, and like they were like, these are weird, they don't make sense. Like, what are you, you know, they like it didn't make sense to anybody. Um, so that right. the first time I heard them was this like a uh, sampler, it was like 2003 or 2004 at Warp Tour. Back in the day, they used to hand out CDs at big ass <laughs> shows. He's <laughs> just give them to you. Um, and like, it was crazy. It was like Limbeck, Motion City, the All American Rejects, Say Anything, Fuck it. Like, just so many. <laughs> so I was like, this, like, this is a blueprint record for the next like six, seven years. Uh, blueprint <laughs> right. sampler. Um, but yeah, like, I, I ended up like a couple months later, like, uh, I saw Say Anything. Um, it was me and three other dudes. Uh, <laughs> and it was at a, uh, a band called Branston. They were on a, a label called Militia Group. I feel like I might as well be fucking talking about Joy Division right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was, it was a really odd interaction. I was like 19 or 20. Um, and he, yeah, yeah, he came up to me and was like, do I know you from somewhere? It was just like a weird thing to remember. And we have this like five minute conversation trying to figure out like how we know each other. And then, like, five years later, <laughs> um, uh, what happens is, like, uh, he download he finds out about the EP, he downloads it, um, and, uh, essentially, like, at the time, people were like, this band sounds like Say Anything, like, that was a thing. Like, in this mm -hmm. genre, I've always had a really, a real issue with, like, purity. Um, in general, there's yeah. always, like, purity tests. Back in my day, it was like, are your, is, are your vocals auto-tuned? It's like, I mean, I'm hitting 95%. Yeah, right. Let me crisp my shit up. Let me brown that. Let me, like, let me brown what I'm serving. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let me put it in the broiler for 30 seconds, you know? like, <laughs> Yeah. And just shit like that. Um, just dumb. There's always something like that. Like, how DIY are you? How whatever is your record? Like, you know, there's always some dumb thing uh, like that. But, I, you know, I could do that another day. That's just... That's his ego defense shit. But, uh, so he like goes out of, you know, like I mentioned, like a lot of bands will say to you behind the scenes, like, I love your shit. Oh my God. 
I'm too drunk. I'm being too honest right now. I have to go. That's a direct quote um, from, from <laughs> you know, like that's been said to us. And uh, but they won't like you know if you submit to a tour, it'll be like ah oh, sorry, this band's given us ten grand in promotional quote unquote um, money. And uh, mm-hmm. that was another big thing at the time, which was one of the other reasons for shock and all. Um, but yeah. So like him going out of the way, essentially like he put out this statement and Max at the time after is a real boy came out was the kind of dude that could put out a statement. And he was like, I heard this, I heard this record. Um, I heard this record. This band's fantastic. You know, uh, fuck anybody saying that like, they sound just like us type shit. Yada, yada, yada. Um, yeah, so I reached out don't, and I was like, by the way, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> Cause you didn't, by the way, there was similarities, but like that comparison's ludicrous. I think, I think I it's mean, just the, it, it, it's the use of gang and group vocals. And just the fact that like, I'm kind of a, a, a neurodivergent dude, like, the, yeah, like just yeah. the way I think about music's a little odd. Um, you know, that's it. Like, it's just weird dude rock. It's like weather yeah, yeah. say anything and me exist on a spectrum <laughs> like <laughs> right i'm at the poppier end of it <laughs> yeah and then weather you know, like sits in the middle and it, yeah weather boxes <laughs> way at the other end fucking awesome On acid <laughs> yeah like fantastic so he was like yeah absolutely anytime you know hit me up uh, if you ever need group vocals or like if you have any guest vocals i was like okay cool so a couple months later we're recording and i'm like ah Somebody brings up the phrase guest vocals, and I was like, you know what would really shut everybody up? <laughs> and then I hit Max up. Yeah, right. And I didn't hear from him until the night before the record <laughs> had to go to pressing. I got a call from a number oh, wow. in Texas. Yeah. Got a call from, like, I just emailed the song. I was like, well, I don't know. We'll see. I got a call, and it went, hey, I'm doing the song. I'm going to send it over to you in a couple minutes. Let me know how it sounds. I hope you like it. All right. Thanks. Bye. And then a couple minutes later, it came, and I was like, God damn. Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is good. He's like, you don't need me to redo anything? I was like, no. <laughs> like, Thank you. Right. Have a good night, sir. Um, and then his label uh, got really upset with the amount that he sang and was like, we don't know if we're going to. Uh, Come on. We don't know if we're going to approve it. And I was like, well, the record's already gone to pressing, so. <laughs> Suck it. Blood from a turnip. <laughs> like, yeah. If you did it, he said, release it. What more of an agreement do you need? How much do they need to own? Seriously. Like, well, Jesus you know, it's that's, that's the thing Dave Chappelle complains about. Like, you know, yes. they, they own your likeness throughout perpetuity uh, in the entirety of the universe galaxy. and like universes. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> you know, so like they, they need approval. And again, I'm, you know, we're talking about capitalism here. Back in the day, you make a fuckload of money off of, like, you made a ton of money off a of band at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what they were trying to do. So they're like, how do we maximize this? Like, I think I Can Get Sexual too was bigger than, say, it was bigger than Is A Real Boy. Like, as a single. It was. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of shit oh, could happen. everywhere. Yeah, he probably yeah. still gets checks for that. Absolutely. So, like, you know, you could make a bunch of money on a band on bands um, that weren't like 
but Rocky, you know, no hate if, you know, if you, I right. imagine if you rearrange Nickelback in a certain way, hardcore dudes would really fuck with it. Um, but that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, on the uh, another question we had from uh, actually my friend Nick, who is the uh, my roommate, who we listen to your music all the time. Like he's really like a, a music theory nerd, and oh, one of awesome. the things that we we found, I'm not. I'm the opposite. Like. And not that I don't Me like too. music theory, I just I put zero effort into understanding it. Uh, I, I know where my hands I go. Like, That's it. Yeah, I like feel, <laughs> but but he, you know, he can articulate things better than I can for that reason. And so one of the things we liked about your band is that it's like pop punk, but it has like way he these are his words key changes like seventh chord, like chord extensions, like things like that that you don't see a lot in pop punk. And so we're curious, like, what's your writing? Like he wanted to know, like if when you're writing songs, like when you have like a key change or like a chorus that goes three four with a verse that's four four, like do you have like vocal melodies in advance, or that like cause key changes, or do you write the music and then you write lyrics around it? But just like what your like song writing process is and was at the time. Well, it's always, I think, what creates some of the interesting stuff. Like sometimes, you know. Sometimes I'll have a vocal idea and I'll be like, this is a, this part's in three, four and it's a good hook. So the hook's in three, four, it's like, what serves the part, you know, or like if something's played a little longer or like extended out or like say like a weird part happens or you're like, well, that happened an extra time. It's because I wrote an an, an extra line that like finished the, the thought I was trying to have. And I'm like, well, why don't we just do that an extra time? Like what's, What's stopping us? Yeah, you know, no the rules. Whole, right, right, right. Yeah. I think I, I, I made a post about it today. It's like the whole idea that you, um, you know, you really need to write like what satisfies you. Like if this is a deeply narcissistic exercise, you are creating an out-of-body experience. You have a thing in your head yeah. and you create it outside of your head. <laughs> like it's... yeah. You know, when you when you abstract it like that, it's a wild time. But there, you know, like in not having any dreams or aspirations, I didn't have any delusions that I was ever going to make it or any desire to like conform or fit in. I was like, I spent my whole life being rejected. Anyhow, it's like, so why am I going to even try? It's like if I want that to happen again, James Brown put it best, or I should say. There's a scene in the biopic about James Brown starring Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace to the both of them, that says mm-hmm. it best. There's a scene when they're, re- when they're rehearsing, and the band leader, who's played by Craig Robinson, if I'm remembering correctly, from The Office. Um, yeah. He says, like, he's like, but that hangs on extra time. That, that happens again. That doesn't make sense musically. You know, like, Rhythm wise, or, or like whatever. He's like, and so James Brown is like, does it sound good? And the guy's like, yeah. He's like, does it feel good? And he's like, yeah. So what's the problem? Right. That's my whole, that's my songwriting style. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> like, that's the whole thing. Does it sound good? Does it feel good? Like, I don't, I will stick loosely to structure it and I'll make exceptions when it's inch, like, if it's interesting and it serves a song, 
I won't do yeah. it because I'm being insistent. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, no, right, I wrote right. three lines yeah. here. This has got to happen three times instead of two. If it's cool, and I'm like, it's fine. Like, no, <laughs> I don't fucking care. Like, yeah. You know, um, that's, that's always my rationalization for like not learning more music theory. And I, I will say straight up that I'm just being lazy and uh, I <laughs> totally sh- probably should learn it. But like, that's the rationalization I always use is like, if I learn the rules, I might not so easily break them, you know? Yeah. And, I think it was something that's nice when. Absolutely, I think it was Ginsburg that talked about. uh, In um, what was the, what was the fucking Kubriak? I can't remember the name of that. Anyway, uh, Alan Ginsburg talked about writing. He was like, "It's the editor's job to. It's their. It's the publisher's job to worry about all the punctuation in the period." Like. It's like it's fucking their job oh, right, to, right. yeah, to organize the rules. It's like I'm gonna put out what I'm gonna put out. Like if you want to clean it up, this is what I'm giving you. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not my problem after that. Oh, that reminds me, Carol Jack Kerouac when he wrote On the Road. Jack Kerouac, that's right. He, yeah, he he wrote it's this in book, book called Visions of Cody, which was like, yeah, he wrote Visions of Cody, which was like his first attempt at On the Road. I'm pretty sure or like his initial vision for it. And it's, it's almost unreadable because it's like all stream of consciousness. Like sentence structure is completely fucked. Like punctuation. Well, yeah, he wrote fucked. it on a big ass parchment. Like he like fucking stapled yeah. pages together. If I'm remembering correctly, rolled it up and sent it to a publisher. <laughs> a cocky move. I mean, like, yeah, he's like, this is so good. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> I wrapped this around my right. dick before I mailed it to you. <laughs> oh, it's funny, man. But, but yeah, I think that was about it for uh, <laughs> listener questions. But I uh, wanted to know, like, while we were just talking, like, I just had the question pop into my head. Like, so you're talking about, like, not having, like, hopes dreams aspirations and things like that yeah like based on your you know traumatic past i'm wondering like once you started to experience a little bit of success like did that ever change like did you ever start to feel like well now that i'm here i'd like to maintain this or has it been like like a comforting sort of thing to where like you don't have to like music's not like your only job like you own a gym things like that has like has that stuck with you and are you like can do you think you're more content that way than you would be like if you were like obsessed with like maintaining a certain level of fame? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm to say I'm successful is, um, I get complimented by family members if they, if they find out I'm on Spotify. I think I saw, like I saw that's essentially like, I'm like, no, I'm a real artist. I'm on Spotify. It's the equivalent <laughs> right. of like, if someone is not familiar with what I do, like, is like, what does your band sound like? And I'm like, ah, fucking Green Day. Have a nice day. Like, that's <laughs> how could I ever? It's like explaining the internet to a dog. It's like, what, you know, <laughs> yeah. I have I have all but niched myself to death. I am more influenced by hip hop than I than I realized until this year. <laughs> you know, just like, like I, I you know, the I the main problem the band has is that like I write music that's better suited for people that don't listen to this genre very much. 
I gotcha. You know what I mean? Like it's like I, I tend to I, I tend to be the exception in the to the to the rule as far as writing. It's just weirder, you know. And I don't write songs about girls or like like that kind of like young pop punk shit. Yeah, like how you know, like, like how much can you write about that? Like don't don't you just like exhaust the well after a while? Like I was well, gonna I ask you, like you know, obvi- your music obviously took a turn, like when writing about starting to write about more political stuff. And so I was curious, like what what kind of fueled that? And I think you're kind of on that, so I'll I'll just let you go. Yeah. Well, you know, I just you know that was I, I, when you're in the throes of addiction and sort of meant like. I was essentially been living in a been living in a, some version of a mental health crisis since I had, you know, gotten kicked out of my house since I was eighteen. So for the previous seven years, you know, I had been just fucking surviving. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I had a girlfriend for two years that I lived with, but just just an unstable decade nearly. Um. So, you know, you're really turned inward during that time. And I was sort of turned inward trying to figure all this out while the ba- like trying to grow this band um, while everything going on behind the scenes and sort of like barely surviving. We were talked about a lot, but again, because of the poly- because of the way I look, um, because of the way I look and the, the slightly off nature of the band sound, you know, we weren't, mm-hmm. we weren't paid very much attention to because we couldn't make a fuck ton of money. Stacked up over the last 10 years, it'd be a sizable amount, but I couldn't make it in two weeks. So fuck me. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. um, You know, and I, so, you know, you're just sort of like very, you're looking inward trying to be like, how do I fix Like, you know, I don't know what's wrong. Like what's happening to me. Um, And everybody around me all the time is telling me, if you ever slow down, if you ever take a break, if you ever breathe, this is all going to fall apart. Somebody's coming for where you are now. Yeah. yeah. Like just shit like that for five years, having no desire to participate in that. Um, so I started looking outside of myself. I do a lot more. I do a lot more reading. Um, I'm a big nonfiction guy. I'm amazed that people even bother with nonfiction. Like the re like the reality of existence is bonkers. <laughs> Yeah, like reading about, yeah. So, so yeah, it's just like I read a lot about that, a lot about the plant, a lot about you know figuring out how to be a good human, and you know, just passenger to use a phrase as as early as as we did earlier. Yeah. Um, so that you know, I uh, I did a lot of reading about yeah the environment. Uh, I did a lot of like anti civilization reading. Um, you know, Derek Jensen, um, I talk about him every once in a while. Um, Edward Abbey, he's kind of a curmudgeon of an environmentalist. Um, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of things of that nature. Um, but I also got into like way too into like self-improvement. You know, it's like, how do I, yeah, like, I can okay, see like there's that the whole notion. Issue. That's the idea. The whole notion that there's, you eventually come to a place where you realize there's nothing to improve. Yeah. You know, which is sort of disillusioning, uh, you know, in a in a way. Uh, but it's like finding your ground again. It's like um, it's like relearning to. Often, when people are like, if they're if they're losing weight or like exercising, whatever they're trying to do, 
they'll often get to a place where they realize that their motivations, their previous motivations were negative. But once you don't have those motivators, you don't have motivators. So there's this like period of like, just, I don't know, I'm going to get Taco Bell and I'm going to sit on the couch. <laughs> yeah. Have a good day. Um, and event, it takes time to like find those, find those positive motivators to like, cause yeah, you can know them. You know what I mean? Like you can intellectually know like, yeah, I'll feel better. I might sleep better if I yada, yada, yada. But like really, really feeling that, you know what I mean? Feeling better, like yeah. actually feeling better takes time. Yeah. You know, with all right. things. In life, it's not as simple as reading the instructions. Yeah. Yeah. The reward takes, so, like, takes a while to get here. It comes, it comes away after you start expending, expending effort with all things. I found for me that like the reward with things like that comes sometimes months after it actually came. Well, we often, uh, when, you know, uh, able to reflect on it and think like, Oh wow, that actually did happen. I like maybe two years ago, I wanted to have this perspective or I wanted this to happen. And then like the thing will happen. And, but I, I'm not in the space to recognize it. And then months after it happened, I'm like, Oh, that did happen. And now I'm like in a spot where I can appreciate that. So it's like the reward never really comes as like this tangible thing. You know, it's always just like, you know, cultural. it's just being able to recognize. Yeah. And just, cultural metaphors. It's hard man. for me to think of a con. Yeah. The light it's switch. Hard to come with a concrete example. The light switch is the, is like, think about the paradigm that changed with light in our lives. So before you start a fire, you got to go out into the woods. You got to find some dry shit. It's got to be it's got to be dry and flaky and sheer. You got to go. You got to fucking do the this thing for hours and hours. And the, <laughs> there's this whole big process of like this. You know, there's just a little little smoke. Then there's a little flame. There's this big drawn out gradual gradual thing before you get to fully lighting a cave so to speak or literally at that point right whereas yeah. now you walk into the room and you're just Bing! and that you know maybe hours long process of work and fucking failure and realizing that the piece of wood that you split is not going to work out in the same way maybe you need to find one that's got a little more of a divot or like a little more space between there so that some air can get in there like all that stuff is eliminated that whole process to getting the reward of that fire. So it's, you know, it's, it's, a it's, it, we, it's like the way we look at the, we, the way we experience the world around us has changed. So the way we, but like our evolution didn't, didn't speed up. You know, like we're, we're still running old hardware up here. So our yeah, culture is conditioning yeah. us to expect instantaneous, uh, like cause and effect, when that's not the way the yeah. world works for us as a species, ever. Yeah, and if I'm going to jump on that, like that metaphor with the fire building too, like, um, even then, like, the fire goes out and you have to make another one, and you're, you know, so like, there's every everything you do to like kind of like develop or there's always going to be something else and like you know things don't always work because we change conditions change so you're constantly having to find that other thing 
this is Buddhism. And it's, yeah, and you have to like find you have to find serenity in the process of it rather than the thing itself. Yeah, so I think that's but once you realize that that's that's a reward in itself is understanding that and gaining that perspective. That's what that often be. like <laughs> you're absolutely correct. It's the whole like why getting a diagnosis for some people or like psychoeducation and like mental health when you're like, oh, I have PTSD. That's why this is happening. Like you learn about it and you're like, oh, OK, these mm-hmm. day to day experiences, this is why it's happening. Or like you have a better understanding of that, you know? Um, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's almost like being born blind, but also not being told you only have one leg. You know what I mean? And then being confused oh, yeah, why yeah. everybody else is getting around so fucking fast. <laughs> like, how's everybody? <laughs> right. Are you all moving this fast on one leg? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm an analogy guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I dig it. But yeah, I started, you know, I, I just started thinking more about the world around me. And uh, unfortunately, we're in a lot of trouble. And, it, you know, that's that swirls in my consciousness. So I write about it when it comes up now. And that was sort of the first time that I really had a chance to step back from my myself and uh, and look at that. So that's sort of how I wish more people gave a shit happened. Oh, OK, that makes sense. And yeah. do you do you find that like. I mean, you talked about like, you wanted to quit the band a million times. Do you, but do you find that like music has become something where you will always it'll always making music will always be something that you do? Um, or is it something where you still feel like you feel fulfilled in other ways where you don't necessarily like how, how big of a part of your life is music at, at this point? For a while, it wasn't very big at all. Um, every time I stopped playing or took a step back or had to regroup, like several of those times were sort of unforced, unforced errors or, uh, you know, just life, you know, the van burns down. Everybody quits because they don't think it's going to work out. Everybody quits because Ben, you're an alcoholic. Um, you know, it's like just like, or like me, like in 2017 or 2016, you know, I thought I had to, I thought I had to stop doing this to move on from my trauma. I thought like, you know, part of me was like, if I keep talking about it, it's never going to get any better. But in reality, it's the talking about it that makes it better. So it's like what I needed to do was figure out how to do this without repeatedly bringing to my myself to a place of like complete mental collapse and really physical collapse. Um, and I, like, I think I've done that. Um, you know, unfortunately, like, like this was, you know, basically like this year, our plans that we had this year are happening next year. Um, which is convenient, you know, cause it'll be like 15 years is a fun little, fun little, fun little other thing to promote um or to talk about i guess uh but yeah you know i think um it's in me there's no getting there's no getting away from it every time i've tried to walk away there's just another goddamn hook in my like there's just another song there's another song that won't leave me alone until eventually i'm like all right well what's the (laughs) third line okay like you know (laughs) I've started to I've started to feel like I'm just sort of like listening 
you know, the, the band is the, the longer it exists, the more aptly it is named. Um, you know, we, yeah, like my perspective, my perspective on like what I've been writing about this whole time, like my experience, my, the deeper our experiences, the more universal it is like that. Like, that's why we write about like, that's why, that's why just vague songs about love works because that's the, it is the, it is the core of existence. Like the, yes, like first there was no. And then yes. Like, (laughs) like it's (laughs) like we invented maybe like as a, as a thing, like our evolution and our becoming our species maybe is context and nuance and our, our, our evolution led to that context and nuance. We're the only species that exists with consent. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. Yeah. You know, like on the planet, like we're the only ones that are there as far as we know, I could be wrong. You know, we're, we're like, there's a dance of the male or whatever, but as yeah, far as we can like tell, birds. <laughs> yeah, dances and shit. Yeah, like we're the only ones that are like, d- d- yes. You know, we're the only yeah. ones that that consciously Please? acknowledge the yes and no of the like the yes and no of the world. You know, rather than you know, sort of, it is what it is. Which right. again, you know, cost benefit, like like it's. A, yeah, that's that's a, they there's certain theorizers of the um that's another tangent. But just the idea of like sorry, that uh just to complete the thought that are that the reason we have mental illnesses in general is because we evolved so quickly. Because like the brain evolved so like fast in regards to cosmic time, as far as like mm-hmm. the long scale of time, like relatively speaking. Um yeah. that like wires get crossed like got crossed in that process so essentially like yeah. evolution is a shoddy constructionist you know and evit like there's yeah. evidence of that everywhere <laughs> like you know it's like the, oh, the yeah. chaos is part of it you know un- unfortunately for better or for I worse think a lot of ways society I have, like evolves faster than our brains can too so like it has thus far <laughs> Yeah, like some people are still programmed, they theorize to be like hunter gatherers. You know what I mean? But that's our nature. Get, like, yeah, this. But it, it, it's it's not so much any. You know, what I mean, it's like it's our nature. But like, at what point do we evolve to the point where it's no longer our nature, and that and like the the structure of society like re reconfirms what our nature is? You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, so like. Like I think about like tr- like more specifically than like hunter gatherer, I think about like tribalism that way. So like when mm, I like yeah, when I yeah. think about hunter gatherer, I just think about like the way we evolve. Like we are direct. Like our survival is directly connected to our daily lives. We're very like so, you know we're familiar with our surroundings and our environment. We're a little more mobile. We are like you know we're out living as indigenous folks do. You know doing shit and. In line with the sun, yada, yada, how we've been in the entirety, except for this one little whisper, one little whisper of time that we're experiencing. Like we, like eventually, if we continue to live as a, uh, continue to exist as a species, we'll return to that place of just, in all likelihood, of just like having to live 
a little more in line with the way we once did, you know, if not like early agrarian, like it's, we're on a finite planet of finite resources and our primary paradigm is that we're, we're going to use all those fuckers up and then go to Mars or whatever, you know, yeah, like, like we'll, we'll figure <laughs> it out. I don't know. Like just keep burning the shit. Like, just come on. Daddy needs a new boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's unfortunate that like one of the biggest proponent, Elon Musk, one of the guys who really is like dedicating his work to try and figure out what the fuck we're going to do next also has to just go out and say some of the craziest shit. Like, oh, yeah. like he, like he has to get political and stuff. I mean, I, I'm not, I don't have a hard opinion one way or the other on Elon Musk's political views. I haven't read into them, but I just know that like he's alienated himself and like he's done things that, I mean, I personally, I thought like him on Joe Rogan smoking weed was hilarious and I didn't think there was anything bad about it, but I guess he said other things. Point being like, it's just ironic that the, even the people who are really trying to advance the human species, there are, will still be criticized. Anybody that that views. Absolutely. Yeah. But no, no, that that, I was just saying over things that are like relatively unimportant. Yeah. I think, you know, compared to the grand scheme, but anyone that views themselves as that type of person, I'm the, I'm the one, I'm the one that's going to fix this or whatever. You know what I mean? Any, yeah. like anybody that thinks like, that's a problem in relationships. If you think you're going to be able to save a person, that's a toxic trait. Can yeah. you imagine being a person that thinks like, I'm going to save everyone, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what kind of, right. It's like the idea that like anybody that wants to be president should be immediately disqualified. (laughs) I'd like to run. It's like, put him on the fucking list. Like, (laughs) yeah. right. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, absolutely not. Um, but it takes it, you know, yeah, it, 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 I think with all, you know, it's interesting that now that the light, how do I put this? The speed at which the internet changed the game around was really incredible. So at first, yeah. It, yeah. it clouded reality by like, being like, all right, everything's digitally manipulated now. Have a good day. And then, <laughs> right, right. and then, and then the internet started fighting back essentially by like just shedding light on every, on everything, you know, just being like, we know about this now. We know about this now. Like all that's yep. happening in real time rather than finding out that Walt Disney wasn't, was anti-Semitic 30 years later after he's dead or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's yeah. you know it's like the Bill Burr joke. Like the guy just like it's like the guy just about the uh, the uh, se- not the cell the Clippers owner who got in trouble a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, like, yep. like Donald like, racist Donald shit. Be like, don't put it on Instagram or whatever. Like he's like the guy just lived too long. He's like, what did you think he thought? You know his his parents' generation wiped out the Native Americans. Like, what did you think he <laughs> thought? <laughs> like, um, but yeah, it's like now that's happening in real time because of the speed of information, the speed of that information that would have taken 20 or 30 years is like, 
oh, check it out. This guy tried to fuck a 15-year-old when he was 30. Like, you're like, you know, that shit's happening now. Right, right. But again, because of the, and still, like, the structure, the structures that allowed for that slow information and for, like, shit like that to just, for people to get away with that, that that power structure still, that infrastructure is still there. So that's what, because, like, actual justice isn't keeping up with the speed of information. It's like finding out there's a huge backlog in like rape kits. Like that happened in Michigan or Detroit. They were like, yeah, there's 10,000 backlog. And everybody was like, what the fuck? 10,000 that you haven't even right. done yet. So and it's, right. yeah, it's the same thing. So what's happening when everybody like refers to cancel culture, it's like the speed of information is sped up, but the speed of like, but the like the ratio of justice hasn't sped up. Like we yeah. know all this shit now, but right. not but but justice isn't being seen more. You, you like, and not a lot of people are paying attention to that. So what's happening is people are just saying like this is like they're pointing shit out. And they're being like, "Fuck it, I can't go to the like I went to the police. Fuck it, I went yep. to the, I went to this person's boss. Fuck it, I went to." I tried. I mean, the same thing happened to me. I went to the military police after I, after I was able to get away from my father and my stepmother. And they were like, well, since you didn't call the police, we can't do anything about it. It's your word against theirs. And I was like a nine year old and a seven year old are going to come up with some fucking crazy year long torture story. Like, like what? So it's the, so this is the natural reaction to the speed of information, not matching up to the speed of injustice speed of speed of justice like we're not writing wrongs as fast as we're finding out about the wrongs so people are like fuck it i'm doing this my this is a diy justice project like and unfortunately and it sucks some folks are going to get burned in that process you know what i mean it's like it's the same it's the same attitude ceos take to their labor force only it's just ruining one person's life rather than tens of thousands. Right. You know I, what mean, I mean, I don't fucking care. I don't care what happens to that guy. I don't care if 180,000 people, you know, get super pissed off or whatever. Like, or I don't care what happens to that, that woman or that person. Like it's, it doesn't, it's a symptom of the, of the problem. Right. I ramble and I, I go think, off on tangents. I don't know how we got. No, here. it's okay. <laughs> It's okay. This is this is a podcast. Like this is what podcasts. I mean, this po- if you've ever anyone who's heard this podcast before, like the best episodes are the ones where we go on tangents. But yeah, cool. that being said, like we'll probably we'll definitely. Um, I want to ask you one more question about music, and then we can wrap. And honestly, first, it's been great. Honestly, like this has been one of yeah. my favorite episodes to do, and. Yeah. I will probably ask you to come back sometime because it's hey, just, there's just so I'm much. <laughs> Fuck yeah, this is it's great. I'm having so much fun to be honest. Um, but I wanted to ask you because um, we ask a lot of bands this, especially ones with touring experience. But I really like would like to hear about like tour stories that went poorly, like things yeah. that you know either like. You know, I've had like bands tell me about like they went to this guy's house after a show 
and there was supposed to be like an after party, but there was like no one there. And this guy had like a case of old Milwaukee and it was just really <laughs> creepy or, you know, like, so like weird shit or just like horror stories or just like whatever comes to mind when I ask that question, we can go with like, that same template if you want. So, sure. I, so this is the craziest story. This is the, cr- this is the craziest band story I have, I think. <laughs> Yes, this is the craziest band story. <laughs> so it'll take a couple minutes. So we're, we're it's, our, it's like 2000, 2007. We get our first tour that like a booking agent does. And, you know, it's like basically they're like, here's the show. It's just you don't have to do any of the emailing and all the fucking, you know, the work of self-booking a tour. So I was like, awesome. Yeah. Like we're getting paid one hundred and fifty dollars a night. It's fucking nothing now. But back in the day, it was like, yeah. Like so, so much money um, at the time, right. or so we thought. Uh, so we do that, yada yada yada. Like a third of the dates of the tour get canceled. <laughs> like while we're on the tour, it was fa- like Yikes. it was fantastic. So it was fantastic in that like we we're like we didn't have to worry about all this. Like it's a bummer that some shows got canceled, but we're having fun. Like everybody's like it's like we know we're. Like it's a proper tour. Like there's fucking laminates. Yeah. Apparently, like we were like, okay. Like somebody sent us <laughs> laminates. We're like, I don't. Yeah, sure, we'll play. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, we, so we get to North Carolina and things aren't going well. We'd had like several shows canceled that week, and we get we get to the venue with I think like seventy five dollars, maybe one hundred and fifty total in cash. We're like fuck, the next show is in Georgia, so it's like North Carolina to Georgia. I don't know how familiar you guys are with geography of the United States, but that's that's more than one hundred and fifty dollars in two thousand seven, <laughs> plus yeah, yeah. eating and you know surviving for two or three days, like amongst right. five people. Um, so we get to the we get to the venue. It turns out to be a uh, like an auto body shop, um, <laughs> and they're they're like we have no, we have no idea what the fuck you're talking about in regards to a show? Like, why would we put on a show on a Friday? We're super busy. Yada, yada, yada. We're open till 10 or like, yeah. So they're like going on about it. And we're like, okay, cool. like, do you know who this guy, like, like we got, we couldn't get in touch with this, this guy, the promoter, like, they're like, Oh yeah. He like, this is, his, we got his number, which was different than one we had. So we, we messaged mm-hmm. this dude. I'm like, hey, we just got to the venue, and they're like, we have no idea about the show. And he's like, oh yeah, I forgot to email you. Like there was a problem. Like I was like, he was like, but it's all good. Loden's not for another three hours. And I was like, buddy, we're here. And uh, I was just like, I tell you what, like, what's your address, man? Like, and he, uh, like, foolishly enough, told me, like, don't ever give a band that you just like. Just for yeah. your own safety. <laughs> if you dick a dick a touring a group of touring bands over that much, don't give them your personal address unless you have actual intentions of making up for it. Yeah, that yeah, I will yeah. say. Um, yeah. So uh, we get to this dude's house, and it turns out he's like a fifteen-year-old kid, like maybe sixteen, but like young. And we like we open the doors of the we open the doors of like the van and like beer cans fall like it's that kind of situation. It's like stereotype. <laughs> we need showers. It's gnarly. Like 
like we're in like cul-de-sac neighborhood type stuff. So people are like <laughs> grossed out by the sight of us, oh, like, on the, like on the side of the road. And uh, yeah. we're like knock on this kid, like we're at this kid's door, and he's like, "Let me get you some food or whatever." And his parents are like, "Where the fuck are you going with my with all the bread?" Like, like he's like trying to manage this like fully collapsing situation, like ah, peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> like ah. So the parents yeah. are actually like, "Yeah," they're like, "You gotta go." And uh, he's like, "Okay, guys, I know this party." Um, and there's going to be like 200 people there and you guys, like I talked to them and you guys can all play yada, yada, yada. So we're like, cool, fine. Like, what do we have to lose? So like, we're going home after this. Obviously we only have enough money to get back from tour and not finish the last week of it. Cause who knows who it's Georgia, you know, it's, it's like Valdosta, Georgia, like the middle and like the middle of nowhere, not a big place. Like you're not going to pull a, $300 $300 in merch night to get you to Florida, you know, like during right, the week right. type, type shows. <laughs> so this kid's like, I'll take you there. So we're, we're like all three vans and trailers. We're following this kid, like in, like he's given directions and the roads start getting smaller and dirtier and gravelier and more crowded by trees and more crowded by trees and I see less and less cool. building structures. And he, we eventually get to the point that we're like, dude, where are we? Like, we've been driving for like an hour. And we're at the point where we now can't turn around all three vans and trailers. We have to back them out like a quarter mile. It's just because oh, of like, like where we are. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. dude, I'm sorry. I, we must have taken a wrong turn. Like, I got, I got lost. And we're like... Like, we're like, oh, God, like, okay, all right. So we back out and we're like, fuck it, we give up. Like, we're got like, end of tour. This is it. We're going home. So we stop at the gas station. I buy a couple steel reserve, high gravity, like tall boys. Um, oh, I know them. Has one <laughs> does at a gas station um, in North Carolina. And like, we all load up. We're ready to like, just hang in the parking lot for like two hours and then drive home and defeat. It's like, all right, you guys are going to Chicago. All right, we're going back to Virginia. Like, <laughs> and, uh, it just so happens that a car full of kids, high schoolers, um, f- which is fine, you know, but like, we're all of legal drinking age. Like, irresponsible is not okay to be getting fucked up with high school kids. <laughs> like, as a yeah. as a person that can legally drink, it's a bad idea. It's a bad look. That's how most of pop punk gets his reputation. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, so we, so they pull up and like this kid knows those kids and they're like, "Holy shit! Like we did it! We're gonna get like so like they know exactly where it is. We're going. We get there. It's awesome. Like uh, we're like, yeah, we we got it. Just like the arrival. Like we're like, yes, we got to the house. You know what I mean? Like this kid wasn't lying. He made it up to us. Like there's gonna be a ton of people here. We get there. And there are like, there, there are like a hundred like kids here, like high school kids of all ages running around getting crazy. And, um, and the, uh, as it, but as it turns out, we get there and it's a much different party than we were told it was going to be. This girl comes up to me (laughs) and she's like, oh my God, I'm in so much, like, I'm in so much trouble. My parents are going to kill me. Like, like just, she tells me that like her parents caught like two different teenage couples having sex in different bathrooms of their house. 
like there's people like running around the woods and all like so on and so forth and uh like i've already been drinking at this point because i thought there's no way this is gonna work out and um so i'm you know so i'm confident now and i'm like all right let me like where are your parents let me go talk to them i'll figure this out Of course I would be. Yeah, I'm the lead like, singer. This was this girl's graduation party. And she was supposed to have like four or five people at the house, like camping, like girls sleepover. Oh, and like, there's this crazy party range. So I'm like, oh my God, like, let me go find the parents. So like, I'm like, you know, you know, just like, all right, I'll figure this out. I like find the parents. I'm like, hey, how are you guys doing? I'm very perfect. My name is Ben, Ben Leibsch. I'm in a band called You, Me, and Everyone We Know. And I explained them the whole story leading up to this moment. I'm like, we're really sorry. Like this kid told us that this was like a, like a meant to be like a show. And we like, apparently it's not. So like all apologies, we'll get going. And the, the mom is, is like, is like, well, yeah, like she told us like, like a- absolutely. And she's in a ton of trouble. Like, but like we, she did tell us that you were like someone told us you were coming, so we made a bunch of food. So they had out this like big like spread of buffet food. So I was like, "That's cool. That's some southern hospitality stuff." I don't know how they whipped up enough of this. Like, <laughs> cool. Right. So I'm like, "That that was a surprise. Cool. So all right. So I'm like, uh, you know, still drinking or whatever, like chatting up the the parents at this point, the the mom, and the dad, and uh, the dad's like. You know, the dad's like, so where are you guys from? I was like, well, like uh, the rest of the guys are from like D.C. and Virginia. I was like, I grew up like right outside of Baltimore in a town called Dundalk. It's like it's basically Baltimore, but white trash. Um, and, uh, you know, as it, as it is. Um, so he was like, he was like Dundalk. He's like, I used to work in there, work there as a when I was younger. And I was like, he's like in these he's like in these like giant brick buildings, like almost no windows. I was like, oh, on Hollibird Avenue right off of. Like, oh shit, like I, live, I used to live like three blocks from there. And uh, so we like this random guy, this random dad in the middle of nowhere, like knew like we had this like connect like this connection. So we developed this rapport, we're like chatting about stuff, and he's like, Yeah, like but you know, but, like I had I had friends that like toured and stuff, like when I was, you know, give me the whole like I've been there, like I know people, so on and so forth. I'm hip to it. Like that kind of that kind of conversation. I'm like, oh absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So like again, like I like not I haven't seen my bandmates for a while. Um, and they're like the parents are like, I tell you what, like, do you want do you want to come in and have a glass of wine? And I'm like, Okay. Like just me, and they're like, Yeah. So like I go in the house and I start drinking with just the parents. It's us just having a nice, deeply responsible night with somehow like six or seven pets of different species, all like all through the living room. Oh, like, yeah. yeah just like cat dog rabbit bird fucking hedgehog maybe or like just like like you know just backwards in north carolina like yeah these are all our pets i was like all right so we're hanging out for a while and like eventually they're like oh we got to go find the like their daughter and the mom's like uh we you, know, you want to come with me and i was like she's like we've been in here a while. i was like cool cool yeah yeah just hanging out like talking about adult shit you know, just boring adult wine night conversation. Yeah. So we go and she's, she finds her daughter and like, like, like all the band, like everybody's, the context of the situation has changed. I have during this point, point in the, at this point in the night, like 
gotten the girl out of trouble explain like you know since done what i was like yeah i'll do it like it'll be fine like yeah <laughs> now yeah. like chill with the parents <laughs> and uh so the mom finds the daughter and she's like oh hey and uh she's like oh do you want to smoke weed with us and i was like i mean like you know i'm just fucking i'm right here and i'm like <laughs> yeah and she's like all right do you want to smoke the normal stuff or we have this stuff that's laced with ecstasy and i'm like <laughs> the parents or the girl yeah the parent like the mom the mom was talking to me and the daughter and i was like uh i the ecstasy stuff like i don't know um yeah. so yeah like i smoked that it didn't like it didn't it didn't ecstasy me like whatever the whatever that does yeah, like yeah. Like I tried mushrooms at some point last year and like nothing happened. Um, so I don't know if like my brain is just wired differently or like maybe it was bad or who, like, I don't know, but yeah, just like didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah. Um, other than like, just put me in like a gentle, good, like gently better mood. Um, so, uh, so yeah. And so like we go back in the house and like, this is when shit starts to get blurry. Cause for me, it was always like that combination of things was always curtains. I just don't remember anything. So like a couple hours pass of it, like it being curtains, and um, my bandmates finally get a hold of me. My phone's apparently been ringing the whole time. Like, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> like shit, what time was it? Like they've been in the van for hours, apparently just unable to find me. <laughs> and <laughs> so like, I'm like, oh, like there's like, I'm like hanging out with all the pets, like relaxing and stuff, <laughs> like just super fucked up. And like the 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 dads, I'm like, I gotta go. Sorry, I didn't realize my band's waiting for me. So on and so forth. And um, so the dad's like, Do you need any money? Like, do you need anything for the road? And I was like, I gotta be honest with you, sir. Like, I, I'm I'm not I'm not proud enough to say no to that uh, this evening. Like, so I explained him the situation. And so he's like, Honey, go get the checkbook. And the wife like goes and gets it. She's like, Don't talk, don't go too crazy now. And uh, <laughs> So he's like, I won't, I won't. Um, so he like cuts a check. Like I shove it in the po- shove it in my pocket, and he's like, you know, take care of yourself. Like I know it's it's rough out there, yada yada yada. Um, and like you know, just nice. Couldn't be nicer people. I was so happy that it all worked out that I was able to get the daughter out of trouble and everything. So I get back to the van, and everybody's like, where the fuck have you been? So I retell this whole story, and so they're all sitting there. Everybody's like wide eyed, and like I'm you know, kind of falling apart at this point. I'm like, what? Like, why is everybody looking at me like that? What's the problem? It's like, I'm sorry. I didn't, you know, I'm, I, didn't, I didn't realize I didn't mean to make everybody wait for so long. And they're like, no, no. How much was the check for? It's like, oh yeah. Like, oh no, that's right. That's right. So I pull out the check and I look and the guy wrote us the check for like 750 bucks and like save the tour. So like, I kept, oh, like, yeah. I kept like $300 of it. And I was like, it's for the rest, like the rest of the band can like split it up. Like we can all use it for gas money and food money. Um, Cause like, I, like at that point I was like homeless essentially. So I was like, I need this $300 yeah. to last me like forever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so I essentially, uh, so yeah, I fucking say I, I randomly saved the day, like fall ass backwards into this like pleasant situation. And now that's wild. And now like the, the tour ended up happening and so on and so forth. We've had something like sort of like that happen every, every couple of years, like that happened and the van burned down. And actually I think every year something fucked up like that has a, has gotten, <laughs> I don't think you're like a real band if it doesn't, but yeah, 
That, yeah, I mean, it's a lot easier. Would it's, it, it would be a lot easier if it didn't happen. It'd be a lot cheaper. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's like for some reason, yeah, the, like, yeah. the universe, can, it's like the universe continues to inspire in a, in a weird way, but it's got a sense of humor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Couldn't, I couldn't say it any better. Yeah. Well, I think I'm I'm gonna wrap it for now. Uh, but I I feel like I feel like I'll like I said I'm gonna ask you. I'm just telling you now. I'm gonna ask you to come back at some point. Because yeah. this is so I'm much hanging. fun. I'm hanging. I hope I like. Um, I, I live a very isolated life right now because of the pandemic. So I hope I didn't ramble too much. Oh, you you're know, all good. Quite all right. Okay. Quite all right. Those are the best guests that like. If you have something interesting to say, go for it. Like I like when I don't have to talk very much, because um, the, the episodes where I talk more than the guests are the ones that I feel personally bored doing sometimes. Um, yeah, because you're you're so, trying to guide a conversation, not be the conversation. Not my episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm in every episode. I don't need my own episode. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's you know it's a, but, that's a sign somebody that knows how to be an active listener and like pays attention and is a good interviewer, you know, to, like, uh, yeah. Oftentimes it is not the case, but yeah, I'm always, I'm always around. I'm incredibly reachable. Um, you know, yeah, it's a, uh, it like after this conversation, it makes sense why my lyrics are so jam packed, uh, in the way that they are. Right. Like it makes way more sense. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, okay. Yeah. He does have yeah. a lot to say. Like, <laughs> <laughs> These are not, these are not simple. These are not simple thoughts. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, all right. Well, I'll let you know, like I'll, you know, I'll shoot you a message when, when this is going to come out. There's usually a few episodes and actually might up might being the hundredth episode, which will be cool. Okay. Um, but there's usually a few episodes in front of the episode I record just based on timing. So I'll let you know when it's going to be out and everything. And cool, again, cool, I yeah. really appreciate you coming on. Yeah. We of really, course, yeah. I'm always, that. I'm always around like, yeah. One of my a blessing and a curse that I refuse to let people, I refuse to be like, uh, to, to be perceived as, as having some separation between myself and people that listen to the music, which is no, unfortunately one of the I best ways that. to sell records. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Yeah, like, I'm better than you. This is magic. You could never do it. It's like, you could do it. You just got to think about it long enough. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's, all, it's, all, it's all time. You know, people are like, how do you write lyrics? It's like, sometimes I take five years. That's <laughs> like, that's, yeah. That's it. Bust out a thesaurus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, truly. Rhymezone.com and thesaurus.com. Dude, I straight up, that is my process. People ask me, and I bet I, those two websites are always open. Like, yeah, so I'll write in a notebook to get it started, but then once I like, set it in stone it's those two and sometimes dictionary if i think i want to use a word but i don't ex know exactly what it means i yeah. think i know what it means and then i'll confirm it but that's yeah that's should, maybe that can be the next episode you should add an emotion wheel to your to your asset your your war chest of writing both of you should because it helps to like narrow down the emotion you're trying to express it's like no i'm not sad okay. i'm depressed and frustrated so it's like, okay, so like what, ah. you know, then you can be like, this is how, like I, when I do like songwriting workshops for people, like this is a prime example for like dirty laundry, um, or I'm sorry, bootstraps, uh, similar sound, you know, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so with that, I was like, okay, what am I trying to like? Okay, I'm not like, yeah, I'm sad, but like more specifically, it's like, all right, I'm depressed, be, like, and frustrated about my current situation. You know, so it's like, all right, well, what is depression like? You know, like, or like, or what's the feeling? Like, why am I frustrated? Because I'm stuck. All right, what's like, you know, what's another way mm-hmm. to describe the feeling of stuck? So, like, I Google, I just Google feeling stuck synonym unmoving you know what i mean so then i go to like thesaurus yeah and i'm like unmoving in thesaurus and i just start looking at words and i was like what peaks my ears i'm like ooh, ooh, you know click 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 stagnant you know stagnant's a cool word that's got like it's like a visceral feel to it you know and then it's like all right well, yeah. what gets what gets stagnant okay what gets stagnant water okay like what happens to bodies of water when they get stagnant mosquitoes grow and it's like it's just Loosely getting curious, like getting curious about words. Taking like another, thing. another layer, another layer. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, just thinking another layer about it. It's like, all right, well, let's get one or two degrees of separation further here. And let's see what like I'm drawn to like learning to trust your intuition with stuff like that. You know, the brain's incredibly smart as far as like picking up, picking up on that, on that stuff. And when you can really pay attention to it, that's when you write your best stuff. Yeah. That's, it's, it's actually crazy how much, that process sounds like exactly what I do. And I, I try to tell people like, yeah, it's really not like what you see the final project. I mean, product is not like my thoughts. I don't think poetically, you know what I mean? Like I, I it's, it's, yeah. it's a labor, it's a laborious thing, but I again, to how to to be like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But before we, I know, uh, I know, um, that could we could easily do another hour on that. So <laughs> I'll uh, I'll cut it uh, for now. But I again really appreciate you coming on. Hopefully the you know yeah. the gym opens up again soon, so you're not just sitting on your hands. Yeah, just longer. I mean I got four months left in the lease. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me tonight. I appreciate the time yeah. and the, yeah. the place to raise my voice and you know meet and conversation and so on absolutely dude it's it's always fulfilling especially during a time times like these as every as every commercial says (laughs) (laughs) that's what like it's always times like these we learn to live again (laughs) again that's buddhism it's always times like these in one way or another yeah. Yep. I was gonna. I was gonna close on the the Foo Fighter lyric. Maybe I'll play Foo Fighters that Foo Fighters song as the outro. Times like these, it's so good. I'm gonna cut the episode right there too, so that's gonna be the end of it. So this won't be on there anymore. But <laughs> however you want to go. But, all right, dude. I appreciate it. I'll let you go. Like I said, I'll let you know when this is gonna be coming out and stuff. Yeah. Thank you guys for a great night. Take care. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Thanks, dude. Also, Bye, goodbye, everybody. Craig. Robot Bye, bear, Craig. Craig. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Episode 100 with Ben from You, Me, and Everyone We Know. That's my life. It's crazy. Um, yeah. It, it was just one of those things where after I did that, I was just like, well, life is different now because I've done that. And, uh, you know, it might not seem like much to a lot of people, but I like to be grateful for all the little things and that's something that if you would have told me in 2010 that i would be interviewing ben from you me and everyone we know i would be beside myself with joy 
Um, so I'm just really grateful that that got to happen. And thanks again to Ben, who's a really fucking cool dude, for coming on and sharing a lot and opening up and being vulnerable and just giving a great episode. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Um, follow us on Spotify. Um, subscribe to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio. Um, Instagram at invite the neighbors, Twitter at ITN pod, tell a friend, give us a review. It all helps. And if you are interested in being a sponsor, we have really, really cheap rates. I'm talking like as low as 10, 15 bucks an episode. If you want to promote, you know, I'll give you like 30 seconds and I'll read whatever you want me to read. And that's that. So thanks for listening guys and have a happy new year. Fuck yeah. 2021. Let's do this shit. Peace.